Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, one of your hosts today. This episode is episode 170. It is also the two-year anniversary of Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. Thrilled that we've uh, come two years. It's gone by so fast. I can't believe uh, so much time has been spent. You and I have sat and, well, you've sat, driven, ran, walked, slept, whatever it is that you've been doing. And I've been here talking to you in your ear, whispering these uh, sweet nothings as we've had a good time learning all kinds of things about Kickstarter. We're ready to take it to an, another level. I am your co-host today because this is the first episode of a new segment where I have invited on not a guest, but an actual um, genuine co-host to be part of the show on an ongoing basis. Not every episode, but we're going to have these episodes. Who am I talking about? Well, he's been on the show before. He's got amazing content, and I had to have him back and now make him just a permanent part of Funding the Dream. I am welcoming my co-host, our first episode together, Jamie Stegmeyer. Jamie, thanks for joining me and being part of this. Thank you so much for inviting me, Richard. I'm, I'm really excited to try out this co-host model so we can mix your great podcast content with, with my written content on, on the Internet. You forgot to put great written content in the free. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll let others be the judge of that. <laughs> well, I think others have because you're certainly getting a lot of good stuff out there. And and it's fun. It, now, if anybody listened to episode 169, they just heard about the you know my little uh, monologue about creating a podcast. And one of the things I said is I don't do well with a co-host. And here we are the very next episode trying this co-host model. We'll see how, how it works. Um, I think, I think what will benefit uh, other Kickstarter creators out there is that I'll be posting when when we do a, a a podcast on a topic that already relates to one of my existing Kickstarter lessons. I'll link that podcast to the Kickstarter lesson, so people who want to hear your thoughts or want to delve deeper into that topic can then listen to the podcast, and vice versa on 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 your podcast. If there's a Kickstarter lesson that complements that podcast, people can get a little bit of both. If that's that's the type of content they want. Perfect. So let's just uh, tell them where they can go. First of all, richardabliss.com is where my podcast is now appearing. You can, as that begins to develop. And where can they go to find written commentary about Kickstarter from you? It's at uh, stonemeyergames.com. And there's a Kickstarter lessons tab right at the top of the page of stonemeyergames.com where people can find those Kickstarter lessons. And you've been doing this for a while now. How many uh, of those lessons do you have? I'm coming up on 69, 70, right around there. That's yeah. a lot. So I'm, I'm about 100 behind you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were gaining on me, so it started to make me nervous. I was like, okay, let's have him on the show. That way um, I can start to match your stride for stride. It's like one of those long-distance running when you get in tandem with somebody. It makes it a lot easier. Let's talk. So what are we going to talk about? Um, you've got a lot of these lessons. I've read most of them. They're absolutely – they're so informative. Uh, is there any particular one that maybe we should be talking about more than others? Well, actually, the, the most read Kickstarter lesson, it's not even actually an official lesson, but the most read Kickstarter-related blog entry is an entry that I wrote after my campaign for Euphoria called, um, let's see, the, the actual title here, How to Provide Free Shipping Worldwide on Kickstarter, a Comprehensive Guide. So free, okay. And now this... Um, most people know who have heard the episode. You are, you know, you're usually doing games, but this is this guide you've created. Sounds like it applies to because I have read it. Um, it could be any Kickstarter product, right? It, 
yeah, any any tangible product that on Kickstarter it applies to that. And it's the uh, and so let me just uh, I got it pulled up here. Um, what was it called? Uh, How to offer free shipping worldwide on Kickstarter: A Comprehensive Guide. Uh-huh. Now, two years I've been doing this. You've been doing it uh, just a little bit less. This is kind of I know a lot of people who are going to tell both of us that this isn't possible. You can't do free shipping worldwide because it crushes your project. Because if I wanted to right. ship, somebody just asked me to ship something to Germany today. And I told him, I said, you realize, and it's just a t- tiny small box. It's probably, what's it going to cost me? $40, $50 to do that? Right. Right. And I actually experienced that. I would say the roughest way I've experienced it is shipping replacement parts for my first game, Viticulture. Because you can you can actually ship a, like a replacement card pretty inexpensively to Germany, say, maybe a dollar or two per replacement card. But if the piece is over one-fourth of an inch, suddenly it's on a whole different plateau for uh, even USPS shipping, and suddenly it's $25 for a little piece that probably cost about two cents to make at my manufacturer. So yeah, that shipping can be really expensive, even for tiny little pieces. And so this free shipping worldwide on your Kickstarter project sounds not possible. And let's... Because one of the challenges that I've heard said about the whole international shipping, I've heard some people say, just don't bother. Don't bother offering international products. And their thought process was, look, for example, you've got a $20 project uh, item, okay. and it's $10 U.S. shipping. Okay, so now it's $30. So somebody pledges $30, $10 of that goes to shipping, $20 goes to actually making the product. But you get an international backer, that $20 item suddenly now has a $40 shipping price tag on it, and now it's $60. You get $60 to your campaign, but you only get $20 that actually applies to making the product. So if all of your backers were international backers, and let's say you needed $6,000, that could be really bad because all of the money, two-thirds of the money is going to shipping, and suddenly, yes, you got your funding, but you didn't get enough money to make the product. And instead, their argument was, look, focus on getting two domestic back- U.S. domestic backers at $60, and you'll get $40, twice as much. See where I'm going with that? I do. I do, and I think there are, are merits to that, that argument. And I've seen some projects do that somewhat successfully. I think they get a lot of backlash from potential international backers who really want the game or the product or whatever it is. But um, I think it's possible to have a successful project with that model. So how did you supposedly, I'm going to supposedly figure out how to do free international shipping and not have it crush your campaign? Sure. Well, actually the, the decision to pursue a different model came about when I needed to ship Viticulture worldwide. With with Viticulture, I had about $10, $12 built into each pledge level to go to shipping. And then I asked international backers, I just named a flat rate of $20 extra dollars that they needed to add to their pledge level. I figured for some places like Canada, it might be uh, a little less. Some places like Australia might be a little more. But I named a $20 rate. But when it came down to actually, when I when I finally had all the backer information in there and I was calculating how much it would cost to ship to those backers, I'm looking at my numbers for Viticulture. 
uh, 71% of doctors were in the U.S., 24% were international, and then 5% were in Canada, which is also international, but I, I've separated it because it's a little cheaper to ship to Canada. And so kind of I, I realized once I had those numbers that my estimates were pretty far off from from what they needed to be for me to successfully ship and not go heavily into debt to make it work, which many uh, project creators, I'm sure, have encountered that, that shock of when something costs a little bit more than it should. Uh, you, I think you've had several guests where they've been surprised by that. Yeah, and surprise is a nice way of saying dismayed, <laughs> scared, oh, you know, bleep, what am I going to do now? Right. Right. Now, I think in, in, in general in business, it's actually a good thing sometimes to have your back to the wall and have to face something like that. And in this case, it was a great experience for me because I started talking to people about what I should do to ship in a more cost-efficient way. And the solution I came up with, thanks to the advice of someone that I just happened to be talking to about, I was talking to everyone and anyone about the, about the problem, um, I was talking about this Amazon fulfillment that I was using for backers in the U.S. Amazon has uh, several different services. They have Amazon.com. They have something called Amazon FBA, which allows, uh, kind of gives you a way to sell products on Amazon. And there's something separate called Amazon Fulfillment, where it's for products that you've sold off of Amazon, and you're just having Amazon handle the shipping and fulfillment and packaging and postage and all that. So I was using the, the U.S., the Amazon.com for the U.S. backers, and this person mentioned to me, well, why don't you, why don't you do the same thing for uh, international backers? And so I looked into it a little bit, and indeed, there are Amazon fulfillment centers in uh, Germany and in the U.K. and Canada and in a few other countries, but those are the, the major ones where the majority of my backers were. And so I shifted the model so that instead of having my manufacturer spend all of the gains to the U.S. and me individually shipping them out one by one, spending between $45 and $55 per package, instead I had my manufacturer ship those gains big pallets of games to Amazon in Germany and Amazon in Canada. And I sent the, the games out directly from there at a much more cost-efficient price. And what do we, when you say much more cost-efficient price, give, give, what are we talking about? I mean, so you're saying from the U.S. to Germany, it was costing you $50 to get that game into their hands. Right. And, right. Now, and that doesn't even... And, uh, just for the sake of this conversation, I'm not including the cost of uh, the freight shipping, which is pretty much universally the same. The cost to ship on the on the boat from China to the U.S. is pretty much the same as on the boat to, from China to Germany. So aside from that, just to ship to an individual backer from Amazon, in the U.S., it costs for viticulture, it costs about eight fifty uh, per package from Amazon to the to the backer in the U.S. For Canada. From Amazon.ca to a backer in, the can in Canada is about $9. And then in Europe, there are a couple different areas. There's Western Europe, countries like Spain, Germany, the UK. Uh, for those games, it costs about $16. So the comparison you just brought up uh, from the U.S. to Germany would be about $45, $50. From Amazon in Germany to, say, Spain, it's $16. So it's a, a $34 difference. Wow. Okay. But okay. But <laughs> free? And I'm 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 just thinking of all of the ramifications. Okay, so you have to figure out how many to sh how did you decide how many to ship? 
on a pallet to Germany? Actually, that's one area where I think Kickstarter is creating a, a new model for for pre-orders in, in a way. And I, I don't see Kickstarter as a pre-order system, but knowing where your buyers are well in advance when you actually place the order is huge help here because I knew exactly how many backers I had in Germany and in the UK and in, in Europe and in Canada. So I knew exactly how many games I needed to send to those areas. And then did you send extra because as people – okay, hang on. Mm-hmm. Is this model yeah. then working for – it's working for Kickstarter fulfillment, but what happens if somebody buys the game? They didn't go through Kickstarter. Is this still working for that, or is this that is that a whole different beast? It's not. It's pretty much the same beast, I would say. Um, it's a little harder to calculate because I don't know exactly how many buyers of the game there will be in, in Germany, of the retail version of, of uh, Euphoria, say. But um, after Viticulture, I have a rough idea of how many how many people are in Germany or in the in Europe who will be interested in our game. So, yeah, I, I've shipped a number of additional retail copies to uh, Amazon fulfillment centers around the world to prepare for that. And and just to be clear, people aren't buying the game on Amazon. They're buying it from wherever they normally buy it, and then you're just sending that order to Amazon Fulfillment Services to have it delivered. Is that correct? Well, actually, a little bit of both. Once the... Um, once the retail games arrive at Amazon.de in Germany, people will still be able to order from my website, and I'll then take their address and type it in Amazon and send them the game. But they'll also, I've also chosen to put the game on Amazon.de in Germany for people to buy. And then it, it's pretty much the same process. It's actually less work for me that way because I don't have to type in their, their address. Amazon already has their address. So a little bit of both. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's actually the model that you know, you've heard of Cards Against Humanity, right? Well, I was just going to say, that's the one I continue to use. I have continued to use Cards Against Humanity as the poster child for the way I believe. Now, this goes back ever since Max Kim was on the show that Cards Against Humanity would continue to be the model that I saw coming. And I've had a lot of people argue with me that no, 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 no. That's not the way it's going to happen. And I just know this is – you see it coming. Maybe – Cards Against Humanity, which was two years ago. But yeah, you can't even you can't buy their game other than through Amazon unless you buy it from somebody who bought it off of Amazon and is now reselling it. Right. Yeah, they they completely ignored the traditional distribution system for games, right? They did. It's interesting. I'll just tell you a quick story. I was uh, on campus at Berkeley University a couple of weeks ago in a suit at a crowdfunding academic crowd international academic crowdfunding conference um, all about equity crowdfunding and i'm doing an uh-huh. interview for crowdfund beat and i have a, my on my lapel is a cards against humanity button and the person i'm interviewing is some big time lawyer in new york crowdfunding attorney and he looks at me and he says what's you know, we're about to do the interview and he says what's that button cards against humanity i said have you ever heard of it no mm-hmm. So I said, look, we're here talking about crowdfunding and how to raise the awareness of crowdfunding. And then I said, but see that, see all those students sitting over there at that table? Every single one of them knows about crowdfunding because every single one of them knows what this button is. And he looked at me and he said, no. I said, watch. And a girl walks by with a backpack, headphones in. She's walking towards the same group of students. I stopped her. Now realize I'm in a suit with a microphone, camera. He's standing there in a suit. And she's like, uh, yeah. I said, hey, have you ever heard of Cards Against Humanity? 
She says, oh, yeah, great game. It's like an adult version of Apples to Apples. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and then I stepped forward. I said, check it out. What's this on my lapel? And you would have thought I was a rock star. Oh, my gosh. Where'd you get that? Did you make the game? Blah, 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 blah. And she just went off. And so I let her go, little fanboy event. The attorney, he's not quite sure what just happened. And what I was explaining to him was that, look, crowdfunding is understood by these college kids because Cards Against Humanity has taught them that what it is, right? You just go out there, how it worked, they all understand something like that. So that was, that's a long story. We only have a few minutes, uh, but that was an ex example. Yes, Cards Against Humanity, perfect example. You can't buy it anywhere but on Amazon. They don't but do you think we're, we're uh, crawling towards maybe a tipping point where the traditional model of either distribution or international shipping on Kickstarter is maybe moving towards something a little better for backers and creators alike? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I do. And there's lots of reasons why I think there is. Uh, and it comes from my experience in the techno technology industry. It comes from, yeah, because what's happening is, and this is why this international shipping thing is such a big one. What's happening is, is that you get this value chain of delivery where you've got a product and you're delivering it. And everybody who's involved with the value chain is locked in to maximizing that value chain. Whether it's the, and it can be anything. And an example I often use is Microsoft. You know, why couldn't Microsoft come out with the iPhone? They couldn't because of Windows and Office. Well, wait a minute, what does that have to do with anything? No, Microsoft's stockholders and their, their customers, not their customers, but their stockholders want maximization of profits. Profit maximization comes from streamlining and making efficient the value chain of delivering their two biggest revenue generating products, Windows and Office. So right. when it comes time to make a phone, they have to look at, okay, we're not going to go spend money where we make this tiny little bit of money over here in the corner. No, we're going to maximize our profit. And everybody along the way is invested in making sure that that value chain is maximized, not disrupted. What happens then is when somebody comes outside the system with a new way of doing it, they find a way of, and it, oftentimes it starts very small. Just like two years ago when I started this podcast, the game category, we had 105 successful game projects on Kickstarter that did $2 million. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, now right. $2 million, you got a single project on the board game category doing $2 million. Nowadays, it's like, oh, hey, look, they did $2 million. Cool. <laughs> Right. right, you got dice, cool mini or not? Uh, that uh, cool mini or not? That's doing a six hundred thousand dollar project every other d month. Uh, so, right. yes, this tipping point is coming, and I've continued to argue that what we're going to see is that the whole value chain is changing. So, for board games, particularly the distribution model, and Aldo Giazzi, who's been on the show, and uh, he and I have done vidcasts, and and we've talked about this, that this. This has been locked in. There's a certain way of mentality of doing it. And so when I saw your article there and I heard people talking about it, it's like, yeah, I think you're discovering that there's this new, there's this new way of doing it. And it starts off small. So we've got, uh, we've got 30 seconds. Uh, well, let me throw something in there real quick and then that 30 seconds uh, in reference to the old model. Um, because I think the old model, and people still do it sometimes, but the old model on Kickstarter was to have a lot of add-ons and variations in the product. That, 
doesn't really work if you go with uh, the, the Stonemeyer shipping model of using Amazon or, or other fulfillment centers. Uh, they, they can do it, but if you have 20 different versions of your game, shipping becomes much more difficult. You need 20 different barcodes for your game, and you have a much greater risk of maybe Amazon mix, mixing up some of those barcodes, which Amazon hardly ever does, but you, know, you have human error in there, too. So I think I just want to throw that in there when we're talking about the old model. I, I think just if a Kickstarter creator wants to have 20 different versions of, of their game, they might need to rethink that if they want to go with this more efficient shipping route. Let's go. How about we talk about that on the next episode? Sounds good. Great. Okay. You've been listening to Funding the Dream. I'm uh, your co-host, Richard Bliss, joined by – this is your cue. Jamie Stegmeyer. And we have been talking about international shipping for your Kickstarter project. Uh, I want to thank Jamie for being my co-host. We're going to come back with another episode. Jamie and I, you'll hear it once, uh, probably once a week. That's the goal, maybe once every other week. Uh, Jamie and I will be talking about topics. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring. I know I have. I'm thrilled to have Jamie as part of the show. We look forward to seeing your project out on Kickstarter. Thanks for listening. Take care.